Ciao ragazzi and welcome to the review della Madonnina of Serie A Sit Down World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go for the last time this season. I'm Frank Crivello, a very confused <laughs> Richard Carmen is with us thinking that this is a Liga podcast for some reason. Ciao anyway, Richard. <laughs> I was going to say something French, but I can't stop laughing. How are you, Frank? Uh, yes, uh, you know, with all that you stuff that happened with, Mal- with all Maldini, I decided to support PSG. No, I'm just kidding. Relax. This is the <laughs> Ibrahimovic jersey honoring his retirement. So this is the Ibrahimovic jersey. I don't care about PSG. So. Ah, okay. So that's that that that's what it was. Okay. Well, th- well, you know, at least you at least at least you got the right sport. So yeah. Yeah. I'll give you credit for that. So, uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Season's done. Long season. Uh, I'm exhausted from the season. I know you are as well. So uh, glad to do this uh, season finale. Give out some awards. Talk out some crazy news that happened in the last day or so. And uh, yeah, we still got what, three or four big games remaining on the schedule. Um, obviously, Champions League with Inter. You got Fiorentina tomorrow in the Conference League. We have Spezia versus Verona for the final playoff spot or relegation spot. And then Serie B, Body versus Cagliari to get promoted. So, man, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of couch left. Not to mention the Italy under-20s in the World Cup semifinals. I yeah. believe they take on Israel next. Uh, yeah, yeah. Win that, and they'll be in the final against the winner of Uruguay and South Korea. So congratulations to them. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, very exciting to uh, see them progressing in the tournament. Uh, some very... Very good young players. Nice to see uh, one of our one of our touts from earlier in the season, Tommaso Baldanzi, having quite a nice tournament. Absolutely, uh, they're at the U twenty level, so uh, you know certainly doesn't coincide with Empoli struggling without him uh, over the last uh, couple games of the season. But they were in a position where they could afford to struggle and yeah. uh, let their young starlet uh, go to uh, the the uh, Azzurini, if you will. So. Uh, and then, yes, Casadei is also ripping it up, too. You are absolutely right, Apex, a combination of those guys. Um, we're already getting, we, you know, Edward, the Cardinale news, bad for the whole Serie A. Oh, man, I, you know, I, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, we're going to get into that. But, I, you know, I, I want to give the man his due, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I think, we, I think it's appropriate to open – uh, with an icon of Milan, an icon of, of football, an icon of Italian football played and won titles with Juventus, Inter, and Milan. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> great, great, way, great way to put it is, hey, time beats us. Time beats us all. Uh, it's undefeated. Even God. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> Even God was crying. It was raining. The, it was raining in Milan that morning. So, um. I don't think there will be another like Ibrahimovic, the blend of of power, finishing technique on the pitch, charisma and confidence, and maybe even bluster, uh, you know, off it. And when when speaking to the media and speaking to people, and you know, in the the, the character uh, that he is, I, I just um, you know, in a, in an era of of 
of CR7 and, and Messi, I liked Ibra. Um, you know, cause I liked what I was getting. I was like, I liked what I was getting for the occasional sideshow too. So, uh, you know, a legend moves on from the game and, uh, your, your, your thoughts and your memories of them. Yeah. Um, Ibra is, uh, you know, you were talking about the Ibra's this, this blend of all these different like specialities and things that just make him so unique. Right. And, and you talked about how the, the character, the charisma he has, especially in front of a camera, uh, the closest person we have seen to him is probably Erling Haaland in terms of the vocal, how he speaks from the camera. Uh, yep. likes to be, likes to be snarky and makes his comments and, you know, he, 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 he reveres himself, which Zlatan does, but Zlatan has so many disciplines. He's so technical in the ball. Um, such a fantastic, he's arguably, no, not arguably. He is the third best player of our generation behind Messi and Ronaldo. And the reason, yep. the reason he's behind those two is because those two had scored a, a shit ton of goals. Uh, and they were just they won everything, right? And uh, Zlatan nearly won everything, uh, but such a fantastic player just for his size, the, the technical ability. He can he does it all, and and then the, the fantastic goal over the head uh, from like forty yards out, bicycle over uh, uh, what's his name from England. Um, it's just he did everything you could imagine: assists, goals, taunting. Um, he talked to, he talked to talk, but he also walked it as well, right? Uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes from him was actually when he was at MLS and there are compa- trying, people trying to compare him to Carlos Vela. And he goes, he's in his prime now, right? Yeah. I, where was I? I was ruling Europe. Exactly. Don't compare us. Um, so Zlatan is just a one of a kind. Um, glad to see the Curva Sud send him off with a God bye, right? He always referred to himself as God and, or the lion. Um, so yeah, he's going to be missed. He's a, f- a player who was at the top of his game until what 40 41 uh and yeah. then father time caught up to him injuries caught up to him and you know you, you, there's nothing you can do at that, at that point so um he kept himself in great shape uh you know people talk about how ronaldo keeps himself in great shape as does zlatan he's a black belt and i think judo and taekwondo and whatever so um yeah man he's uh such a special player did it for many many years uh, coming up through the ranks from you know in Sweden and then Ajax and then so on and so forth uh, through Serie A and La Liga, Ligon as well. So uh, that's why the jerseys we got the jersey here right now. So what a player! I mean, he was a legend for all top three teams in Serie A. When you talk about the big three with Juventus, uh, Inter, and Milan, he was the star for all three of them. So yeah, man, he's gonna be missed. Uh, not gonna be another guy like him, but uh, you know, Milan can uh, rest their laurels that he was a big part in the locker room about why they won the Scudetto and came, became back to prominence. Uh, because his leadership in the locker room, no doubt about it. Of course, on the pitch stuff, but also off the pitch. So he's going to be missed. I'll tell you the perfect place to try to figure out where to fit him. Uh, I would, I would love to see him. How, how, how good would it be in the uh, Paramount Plus Champions League studio with Micah Richards and Jamie Carragher and uh, and Thierry Henry? Yeah. Oh my God. There was imagine what he would add, and just maybe the back and forth between him and Mike. I think that would just be crazy. Him and Thierry Henry would 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 get up because they they kind of they play with each other for a little bit, and you know they would joke off each other. Yeah. You know, but uh, Mike Richards probably wouldn't stop laughing, and Jamie Carragher probably get pissed off at Zlatan at some points. But Zlatan is great behind the mic. Uh, He always has been, and he'll continue to be. You know, so uh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, and as far as the charisma and as far as the personality, you only need to look at what ended up becoming his retirement ceremony at the San Siro and what he said to the Verona fans. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, keep, what do you say? And they said it in Italian, but he said, uh, he said, keep booing. This is the best moment of your year seeing me. Yeah, it's the <laughs> so. highlight of your year. Yeah. 
um yeah i think my favorite i think and i can't remember when where, where he was playing i, I want to say it was may mls or he might have been when he was manchester united and a, a reporter had asked him what he had gotten his wife for christmas he said i got her nothing she already has a lot done that's right yeah i think it was at united at that point but yeah 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 i forgot so, he played for united too man he's played for yep. so many teams so yep he's like nine different teams i believe over the course of over you know 23 years so apex might like this but united kind of ruined his streak of winning consecutive league titles everywhere he went so yep yep that's for sure he you know he got a europa league with manchester united so he did win a european trophy on some at uh, you know on some occasion but uh he um uh never go never got the champions league never got the world cup but i don't think he's going to be measured by that so um you know, uh, he's one of the greats of the game that he is that we've all seen. Um, yep. so you know, we should. You're, he's a very polarizing player, right? He's absolutely yep. polarizing, but you got to push that aside. He, if you just look on pure skill and what he brought to the game, he was one of the best. Yep, yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, he he's earned his place there. And then we probably also match week 38 probably marked the last time we see Fabio Quagliarella. Um, you know, at a city level, uh, you know, at the age of 40, we'll see. I mean, I don't think he's really formally said anything. I don't think, um, but, uh, yeah, he's probably, he's probably at a point where he's hung it up. And, you know, I think that when you, you, we obviously, we, we talked about the loud, the boisterous one, you know, now, now the guy who was, you know, a career of really a quiet brilliance is probably the best way to describe it. Um, if, you know, if that can even be a term, um, he had extremely significant moments. He scored some of the craziest goals you're ever going to see. The goal oh he scored God. against Napoli a few years back Oh my God. that we That's just, that was like what, four weeks, four match weeks into the season. And we said, slam dunk, hands down, goal of the season. There's not any, there's not a single goal that's going to come but after. Koulibaly draped all over him too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but that's just the tip of the iceberg with the kind of quality with which he scored, uh, you know, for, for his, for all the clubs that he played for, um, you know, the only, you could say he's Antonio Di Natale, but Di Natale did it all with one team. Quagliarella obviously was was on a tour of teams, and but wherever he went, he was successful and he scored. And uh, that kind of, that kind of brilliance and that kind of, you know, that, that, that kind of quality, yeah, we're going to see it with players down the road, but, but Quagliarella was one of a kind. He's a big game player too, and uh, he's, he, Oh, I know. I know he's somewhere celebrating that Napoli Scudetto as well, right? He wanted so badly to win when he was with them. But, uh, yeah, no, he's uh, what a player he is. He's a big game player, scored unbelievable goals. You only wish he maybe would have done a little bit more when he was at Juventus. But, I mean, he's still top-notch striker. Always someone to put fear into you. You have to know where he is at all times. And even like the Koulibaly goal, even when you're man-marking him, he pulls something out out of a rabbit out of a hat and that, unbelievable goal they scored back heel flick in the air uh past the keeper with like power too it was, i mean he's just a, such a special player um not only did he score goals he could set up his teammates uh he, he he did so much with with um that is so undervalued and i think you know you mentioned dina tally and i think that's a fair comparison because they both were similar players in the spe- minus the one team thing with dina tally they both were very similar they had big goal big big goals um 
carry their teams on his on their backs. Uh, both special players, and yeah, if if this is Dina Quarelera's uh, swan song, and it seemed like if you watched the game, uh, how he's like you know waving to the fans, uh, certainly probably done with Sampdoria, but uh, he's had a magical career, and you know he's gonna hopefully hopefully the. Uh, the one downside, I guess, I would say his career is all the the paparazzi, the people that pester him off the pitch, and hopefully that subsides now that he's going to be hopefully retired. But uh, yeah, man, he's gonna another, another player going to be missed. Is he one of the greats of all time in 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 the world, like you say, Zlatan? No, but he's certainly going to be remembered in Italian football, no doubt about it. Definitely, most definitely. So, 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 guys that are that are that are choosing to move on, and now we we move on to a story of someone being forced out. Um, uh, this was the hot topic over the last 24 hours among Milan fans, among uh, fans of Calcio in general. I mean, Juve fans, Inter fans, Napoli fans, <clears throat> all the like. You know, you're seeing them on Twitter chiming in on this. Uh, but uh, Redbird Group, Jerry, Card- Jerry Cardinale decides to move on from Paolo Maldini and Ricky Masada. Uh, apparently, Moncada steps in and, and takes over. Um, you know, in terms of the kind of the technical director role, um, I, I don't know what his specific role is titled, but I, I think that he's going to just be assuming a lot of these duties. We haven't heard a whole lot more left, but um, an incredible uproar here, Richard, over the last 24 hours um, among Milan fans, um, among fans of football in general, among fans of, of Calcio, among fans of, of casual fans of saying, hey, this is quite a statement to come in here in your first year as an owner and just put a legend out on the street. Um, what do you make of it? <laughs> I'm guessing he's thinking ignorance is bliss. Maybe he de- he said himself he only knew about Milan over the last couple of years or heard about him the last couple of years, which is ludicrous to me. But and then I, I would guess if that's the case, he probably only heard of Maldini when he when he tried to when he tried to buy the club, and so maybe he didn't know how big of a legend he is. The Curva will make him aware very quickly um, of how, how big he is and, and you know, the rest of the fan base. I try to put my thoughts together, try to make this sound as coherent as possible, and I know I'm going to fail, and I don't care. Um, and I, you, you know, you and I were talking with our good friend Mo about it you know, on, a, on a chat, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, my anger with this is a 12 out of 1 out of 10. It's a 12. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ludicrous what he did to a club legend. Now, We'll take what what he's what he's done and all that stuff aside. You come in to a club where already the fan base is maybe maybe fifty percent behind you. I'm talking about Jerry Cardinal, and then you do this shit. You got zero percent of the fan base behind you. Maybe five percent for the the really really crazy, not thinking clearly, folks. Right, but he's got a whole mountain to climb now, and he has to have. Maldini did some good things. Was he perfect? No, but what he did, the, the players he signed, some of the players he signed are angry now at this. Uh, but what he's done in, the, in his in his short time as a technical director, or whatever you want to, whatever position you want to call him, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Um, can it be approved? Sure, but Cardinal, he's going to have to get a Scudetto and or a Champions League here in short succession, or this is. Potentially, be the whole fan base is going to go against them and want to get them out quickly if they're not going to do it already. Uh, but with that, my anger aside, maybe this is the American in me, Frank. <laughs> it's like so joke. weak. <laughs> um, I think I'm not totally surprised by this because 
I have been following Redbird, and what they did at Toulouse was something similar. Now, they didn't get rid of Club Legend, but they got rid of their, their technical director, and he brought in his own guy. Uh, and they, they have this mentality at, at Redbird. They want to play. Uh, they have a certain vision, and it's been coming to fruition at Toulouse slowly but surely um, through smart spending. And now Toulouse is now a, a Europa League team. Um, and so you imagine the same things going to be happening. I, I likened it to the Red Bull, the Red Bull franchise, where you buy excellent young players, do well with them, right, and then sell them for a lot of money, and then just keep that cycle going. Uh, it funds your team and go over. So I'm going to be a wait and see on Redbird, but you're starting me at zero percent. I'm at the bottom. You had me at fifty percent because I was like, yeah, let's see what you got. You know, whatever we got, Maldini, Master, we're good. But now that they're out. You got me at zero. You got to earn, and this is not just me. This is the fan base. You got to earn our respect just to get us back there, uh, and it has to be immediate success because that's what Paulo Maldini was screaming this whole time. Is like, hey, we need some money. He said this on CBS Sports. Maybe it's part of why he got fired. It's like, hey, we need some more money to compete with the big teams of the of the world. Now, Milan are not set up financially to compete with the Man Cities and the PSGs of the world, but you got to have a vision and you got to spend a little bit of more dough. Uh, you can't just have all the youngsters. Uh, so we'll see. I'm gonna be waiting to see on Redbird, but I am absolutely furious. It's absolutely not a way to treat a legend. Um, it could have been much better. And then to top it all off, Milan with their shitty swan song to Paolo Maldini on their website. It was what four sentences or something. Oh, it was taste. It, it was taste. It was tasteless. It tasteless. Was... And Ma- uh, Matteo Bonetti put it perfectly on his, when the way he summed it up. And you know, it's you're, it's acting like you're, you're treating an intern. It's not how you treat a club legend, one of the greats of the game, not just Calcio, but the entire game. So, yeah. it, again, I'm, I'm furious, but I'm going to wait and see with, with Jerry Cardinale and Redbird. They're going to have to come up with something big over the next two years, results-wise, to get the fan base back. Because I think uh, they're on thin ice at the moment. And Kurva, I, I, I will be surprised if they don't protest. Okay, so here's here here is where I'm going to come in on this. And, and and Eduardo kind of highlighted it already. How can you compare Toulouse with Milan? When they bought Toulouse, where was Toulouse? Second division. Yes. Okay. Uh, when you bought Milan, where's Milan? Coming off of winning Scudetto and qualifying for the Champions League for the second straight year. So they bought Milan in a time that, that, that Milan was in the middle of a project that was working. That was in a winning season. Yes. And even I'll even argue that even with this season, as bad as you know, Milan fans will perceive it to be, it was still working. It was still working. This is okay. The the uh, the what what Maldini set this club on course for, and what this group set this club on course for, winning the Scudetto and getting a a Champions League semifinal were just ahead of schedule moments toward a bigger picture. And now you're going to put the progress of this project to a screeching halt, backtrack it to a degree in hopes that you can get it to keep going further forward. And hope you don't lose Leal, Magnon, and Teo Hernandez, who would be the most vocal. That's the optics of this. Okay? That's the optics of this. The problem is, is that Mignon, Teo, and, and Leao are all under contracts that they're not going to be able to get out of. I don't think they're going to be able to walk out 
you know, just walk. It's not going to be that simple. I think even I, I, I think I saw on Twitter that Nima alluded to it a little bit because somebody was asking if if Leo could challenge his contract in the courts or something like that, and said it would be impossible. No, um, you know, have to be bought. Yep, yeah. yep. So, um, now Bob Lex, a boiled potato is actually quite good, especially if you can put <laughs> some sour cream and bacon and melted cheese yeah, on. Yeah, I agree. okay. And I, that's when I'll have a boiled potato. But yeah, but boiled potato by itself, you can't do it. Um, so that's the thing. And then Maldini said, now we need bigger investments. And he, I think he positioned, he positioned the club to be prepared for this. You know, and this was, the in, in Maldini's words, this bigger investments was the next phase of the project. Correct. And now Cardinali has come in and killed this. Yep. All right. And wants to put in his own plan. That's like Toulouse with a patient with a fan base that is not going to be as patient. No. Okay. You just came off of winning a Scudetto. You're going back to the Champions League. There, there's not going to be the patience here that there was at Toulouse. Um. So, but Nemo was replying to a Chelsea fan. He probably was. I, I yeah. don't know exactly who he was talking to. Yeah. I just happened to catch it. Um. <clears throat> so that's the problem that I have. That's the problem that I have with it. Okay, Uh, you know, it's not so much, you know, sacking a legend, you know, even though the way that the way that it happened and the way that Milan communicated it was all pretty tasteless. Yes. Um, You know, was very, you know, was very disappointing. We can all agree to that. You know, we are, you know, we're fans of a club with a large, large history. And we revere the players who achieved legendary status to get Milan to where it is. Paolo Maldini, chief among them. When you play, you know, the first name that comes to mind when you think of Milan, most people are going to say Maldini. Okay. Uh, You might have some real old school guys say Rivera. Um, You know, you might have some guys say Shevchenko or Kaká or even Ibrahimovic now. Um, But... Maldini is the name that you associate with Milan more than than uh, than anything. Uh, we'll take Maldini if uh, if if, if Juntoli ends up Maldini. There's no way, no way, hundred percent, no way. And the, I don't even know if takes another job. Yeah, he's Honestly. he 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 won't and he shouldn't. I mean, I, he's not spiteful to where he's just going to go to a rival club. Like I don't think Nedved would leave. What if he left Juventus? He would he would go somewhere else. I don't think Zanetti no. would do the same thing. They're just club legends that will stay with their one club. Right. So that aside, and I said this on Twitter, um, and this is where somebody said, well, you know, that's the typical American response, a guy from Sweden. You can't turn, you can't sit here and be dis, you can't be angry at, at Maldini. We're in a spot where we really can't be, you know, we we can be angry. We can be angry about Maldini. And what happened to him, but we also have to take a wait and see approach on what yeah. Cardinale is actually going to do. We're actually forced into this. We've got no other choice. Yeah. And we're in a situation where, okay, you sacked you sacked Maldini. I, you sacked a legend of our club. I hope you screw this up. That's like getting on a plane and uh, you know, kicking off the best kicking kicking out the best flight attendant, and then 
the pilot kicks out the best flight attendant, and then now you're just cheering for the pilot to crash the plane with you. You know that you're that you're riding it. Yeah, it's basically yeah. what it's akin to. Okay, you know, as much as we all hate this, and as much as it sucks, we're gonna we got to get you know we're gonna have to get behind this club, and we're gonna have to give it give it their give them their chance and give it their process. We don't have to like it right now. We don't have to like the decisions and the direction. And Redbird doesn't care. And Redbird doesn't care whether we do or don't. Exactly. They've obviously made it very, very clear. If they're willing to sack a legend, they're willing to do anything. And look, and I'm not comparing Milan to Toulouse. I'm not. Uh, I'm just saying Redbird is a your cutthroat company that treats all everything the same. So Toulouse and Milan are the same to him. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and that's the way they, they want to see their vision play out. They don't care who's wherever they are. They're there. This is their team. They're going to run it how they want to run it. And they're going right. to be here for the money, for sure. Will they win? We'll see. Uh, they could surprise us and become a, a threat European-wise. Uh, but it's this Mercato is going to tell you everything this summer. We'll know a good deal about Redbird after the summer. Yeah. I don't think we can, you know, in, in the ascent, you can be disappointed about the Mel, about the Maldini sacking, but at the same time, take the wait and see approach. All right, Bob. I mean, how many times? How many times have we seen this happen and things end up better than than what we anticipated? Other than Young Hong Lee, yeah, 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 exactly. Young Hong Lee, I think we just we. Here's the problem with Young. Here's the problem with the whole Young Hong Lee era. We were so desperate for a winner. We were so desperate for a team that can compete at a high level that, you know, oh, great. You got this guy. You got that guy. You got that. And then the whole thing completely capitulated, you know, that, you know, and and that I think that was a time where just Milan fans were just desperate. Do something. Somebody come in and do something. You know, here, to my point, there. <laughs> what's that? Jerry comes in and does something. Yeah, Jerry comes in and does something. <laughs> but he, he tears apart a project that was still in the ascendancy despite not winning the title this year, despite not getting to the Champions League final this year, okay, um, that was making progress. Uh, Milan's finances, I think, are relatively healthy. Um, and yeah. I think that that was part of it. They so, should have at least 50 million euros to spend, allegedly, 50 to 75 million, allegedly, but we'll see. Allegedly. You know, yeah, we'll it's somewhere laughing because, like, Eduardo are probably saying, like, hey, we have an owner who doesn't pay our players, but at least we're, we've still got a good team. Now, Jerry comes in, Uncle Jerry comes in, and just gets for your legend. At least, at least Zhang didn't fire Zanetti, right? <laughs> so, now, Calcio with Ryan Ozzy. What's up? What's up? Um, let me spin this a little bit. In a different direction. Let me take All this right. in a different direction now. We've, we've, we've pretty much made it clear our feelings about this whole situation. But let's try to put on Jerry Cardinelli's hat. Okay. And he looks at this and said, okay, great. You extended Leao. You brought in Mignon. You extended Teo. Okay, good job keeping the core players, extending their contracts, keeping uh, Tamori. We can't forget Tamori. Yeah, and the manager. Um, and the manager. Okay, great job doing that. But um, for every one of those, Charles de Quetelare, Yassin Adli, Junior Messias, uh, 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 Florenzi, Serginho Dest, um, you know, take out the name Maldini and let's just say that the technical director's name of Joe is Joe Public. 
would we be as outraged? Joe Publico. That's be Italian, right? Um, yeah. No, we would not. And I say it because he did some excellent work, Joe Publico. Uh, right? But yeah. uh, there was a lot of duds, too. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I guess Piantic was part of it, too. Uh, maybe not. I don't remember if Piantic was his or, or before him. But um, there was a lot of, there's been a lot of duds. Uh, now, we thought the same thing about Leao and Tonali and Benacer. So we, it's, the jury's still out. Will Moncada, Moncada and, and, and Cardinale have patience with the youngsters? We'll see. Certainly, Serginho Des needs to go. Uh, but, you know, Adley and CDK, horrible seasons. Divock Origi uh, also. Or Origi too, yeah. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, there was some there were some gems in there, but there was also some duds. And I think what Redbird and the Red Bulls of the world, they want more gems than not, right? Mm-hmm. They want like Red Bull, excuse me, RB Leipzig, where they got freaking two basically starting 11s of, of talent on that team that's what they want that's what redbird wants um and so if you if you base it on that yeah maybe it may be, you know take out the name it, it was maybe the right move maybe maybe but you ended up in a bidding war for a young belgian player with that the only other competition you had for his signature was a team that ended up getting relegated from the premier league this year yeah um and you spend thirty-five million on him for him to make to have thirty-two appearances and not score a goal. Yeah. It's just it's a it's a it's a ridiculous return. Now it's it's another one where we're just going to look at this because we've said this already that we 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 gonna we're going to give Dick a lot of more rope, but he better come good next year because he better he better yeah. justify this investment or else this turns into one of the biggest flops of all time in terms of in terms of transfers that Milan have done. Yeah. Um, you know. I've seen people say $35 million spent on Decatelare when that money could have been invested in a contract for Paulo Dybala. Um, yeah. True. There, you can't argue that. And look at the season Dybala had for Roma. So, but how much is he making per season? You know, We're also in a, a much more than Decate, Much more than Decatelare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're also on a, on a, a tight budget, so there, there was their options were limited. But yes, that's a great point. I think you know, they're, they're any any one of the free agents or anybody cheap you could have got with a little bit higher salary, you know. So, right, right. So, so there is some of this. It's the you know that you're 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 sacking a brand name and you're sacking a legend, but then you look at a a a performance that where he made, he did some very good, did some very good moves, made some very savvy moves, was able to convince a player like Leao to stay and set up a contract where it would be very difficult for him to leave anytime in the next five years. But then for, for each one of those, you had a Decatelare or, you know, for every Tamori extension, you had an oddly for, you know, that, and I think that's the, that's the thing that you have to, you know, you know, get beneath the the Maldini name and see what all went on when you look at the entire body of work. That's if I'm putting on the Cardinale hat. I still don't agree. I don't still don't agree with it because I think on the project on the whole was still going in the right direction, yeah. despite a lot of the missteps. And the name brought in a lot of big players too. That's the other I thing. I don't think the big three would have been came here if it wasn't for Maldini. They they all said it. We came because of Maldini and who he is. You know? Many people, many people said that. I mean, the the the, lot, the dressing room um, believed in him, uh, and I think uh, uh, Christine Cupo said it. I think on the Morning Footy uh, podcast, uh, I think that's I think that's where I heard it. Where she said the, the 
the intangibles that Maldini brings. Uh, Moncada can't bring that, you know. Um, so, and I think that that's where the and, and that's where the you know that's where the unrest is going on here. Um, uh, you know, with the fans and with the supporters. Um, so, but again, we're going to just have to wait and see, aren't we? Absolutely. So we'll, see. we'll give them the so, summer end of the summer. Well, yep. Yep. We'll see how it goes. I would say let's give this the first 10 games of the season, some champions league games and see where this thing is at, what direction this is headed. I'm, yeah. I'm willing to give a little bit more of a, more of a leash here. So, but <laughs> I think that's all the major news we needed to cover to to get us through at this point. I think there's one more thing that I think we can go without saying. And, um, you know, I think we all witnessed some of the unfortunate incidents um, that happened after the Europa League final involving Jose Mourinho uh, looking for Anthony Taylor in the parking lot uh, to call him a fucking disgrace, among other things. And then that turned into... Roma fans harassing Anthony Taylor and his family uh, on the way um, to uh, trying to just get on their plane to go home. Um, so, you know, it goes without saying, Jose, I okay, he's different. All right. He's arrogant. He's, you know, he's all this other stuff. And there's things that, that, that make me appreciate that he's in Serie A. But when you do something like that, you just become no. You're no better than hockey dad uh, or little league dad, and you just enable to be as the face of the club. And let's face it, he's the face of the club right now at Roma. You just enabled your fans to behave in a despicable manner. And I, I will say this: you know, while I, you know, obviously I disapprove all of that, but I, Calcio fans, just do not paint all Roma fans with a broad brush because there are a lot of good ones out there. That 100%. that would condone that condone this behavior in a heartbeat, um, and and definitely no better. Some of them have been on this podcast before, so I yeah I, I that that that's as much as I want to say about everything that happened after the Europa League final. Were they robbed of? Were they denied a clear penalty? Yeah, they were, but yeah. uh, so was Sevilla. Um, hard to hard to really reverse that decision, uh, in my opinion, but they did through VAR. Um, yeah. and I can't remember, I think, was it Ibanez? Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, but we did say that, didn't we say that about Ibanez? We thought that he'd have some trouble trying to deal with Ocampos and some of the, yeah. And, and, and we've you heard said that it, here. We've said it too, that Ibanez is, Ibanez needs to go. In my opinion, he needs to be cut from that team because he's cost him so many damn games since he's been there. Um, and, and big games too. He just comes up with red cards and silly plays and own goals and giving up penalties. He needs to be cut. But that was standing. Yes, he he, you know, should have been fouled against him. And yeah, Roma, they probably got a short end of the stick. I thought it was still a good game. You know, Paul Dybala proved in a big game and he could score. He was, and that was a great play by him. Um, and he really put Roma on his back. He is becoming the star of Roma, which is great to see. And we weren't sure how that would happen after after leaving Juventus. But uh, this team is good. But you know what we saw after the game was unfortunate. Um, and you never want to see that at all. We you know we saw. Us, we heard similar things on the pitch after you know the Buffon and Real Madrid thing in the Champions League final several years ago, but this was to another level, right? This is 
Mourinho yeah. going after the referee, and then the fans going after him, and it's that's ludicrous. And it's again not all fans. It's not all Roma fans. It's just those right. idiots who were there. Same thing when you see all these other incidents and, and throughout the league. It's usually just idiots in the, in the small group, not the whole fan base. Those fan bases in general are fantastic all the way around. So, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, so we'll, you know, so that's that. That's the the gist of that. You know, it, the game probably went as we expected. It was a big rock fight. Um, yeah. You know, Mourinho, as he looks for blame, should probably also ask himself why his first three penalty takers were Cristante, Mancini, and Ibanez too. So, um, you know, so so it's 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 what it is. So. Um, rumor is Marino might get a four match ban by UEFA. He should. I, he should. Yeah. He should. I would support that. So, um, so anyway, uh, we're going to talk about Fiorentina, West Ham, and Manchester City Inter a little bit later in the podcast. But let's get to the review, Della Madonina, Richard. Uh, boy, the 22 23 season is behind us. The storylines are just absolutely endless. I mean, I think this, this season delivered as well as any any season before it that we've been involved doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to ask you, this is going to be the challenging question we're going to have to answer, okay? What is – so many things happened. You had – and I'm not going to say them. I'll, I'll say them after I give my answer. But what's the one thing that's going to stand out to you about the 22-23 season? Um, I'm going to say – Outside of Napoli, I think parity. Yeah. Um, we talked about it's been building over the last few seasons, but we said going into this season uh, that the, the seven sisters or even the eight sisters, you want to call it now, they're all going to be good, really yeah. good. And they're going to, and then what we saw is they cannibalize each other. That's how good they were. They dismantled the rest of the league and then cannibalize each other. That aided in the fact that Napoli pulled away from everybody. Napoli did their own thing. Napoli not only was successful and dominant against the, the eight sisters they dominated the whole league and the rest of the seven sisters they just cannibalized each other and they, the gap spread um now we saw some teams starting to read napoli and learn how to play them the bigger teams you know um inter milan come to come to the forefront um lazio as well but uh yeah it's just uh the parity in the league is fantastic to see and i say that in a good way because you want to see it challenge everyone. You don't want to see someone walk away with the title. Yeah, Napoli did it. But the rest of the league, it wasn't like, you know, the four to six best teams it was best and then everybody else sucked. No, it was like the you know top eight were good. The, the middle of the road teams were good. They all gave everybody trouble, like the Monzas of the world, right? The the Bolognas of the world, the Udinese's. They get people trouble all season long. And then the relegation teams, even the top teams trouble because they're all trying to fight for survival, especially at the end. And we saw all these you know surprises that we didn't see result-wise. So parity-wise, it was good. Yeah, the bot, some of the bottom teams were really bad, right? Cremonese in particular uh, and Sampdoria. But uh, for the most part, the parity in the league was amazing to see and uh, it really brought out all it's all the talent you get to see in display from top to bottom. It was just it was out there and it was, it was wonderful to see. I'm gonna say Napoli's dominance this season will be the one thing that stands out to me. Yeah, um, I I just I mean I think you can't help but be impressed with what they did from start to finish in this league. Um, you know, I think I've said it so many times this season. I didn't – no way you expect this. I, I expect it to be at this point in the season seeing Napoli finish fourth after going just on a ferocious run uh, to grab the fourth spot and be that trendy team that everyone's going to watch next season. 
um, you know, favorites for the Scudetto and, uh, you know, maybe putting a dent. They did that all way ahead of time um, under Luciano Spalletti, who had a reputation for his teams just having and, you know, being attractive in terms of the football that they play, being, you know, scoring goals, um, but having just enough fragility to have it all fall apart. And that didn't happen this season. Um, and then, I mean, I think Spalletti just riding off into the sunset. I've got my Scudetto. I'm going to go back and make more wine now. Um, you know, I think that's beautiful. Go, go out on top. Why not? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the immediate impact that Faratalia had, uh, Ossiman finally being healthy enough to play almost an entire season and, and grab a Capo Cananieri because we had been predicting him to be a Capo Cananieri every season, but yeah. then he gets hurt, uh, so that he finally does it and he finally gets it done. Um, you know, losing a lot of players, but being able to make smart replacements and invest smartly to build a team that sustained a, a you know, a, a dominant city run got to the champions league quarterfinals and who knows what would have happened if they didn't face a, a Milan that was at their stingiest defensively, yeah. uh, you know, in that particular moment of the season, um, you know, if they could have gotten to this final against Manchester city, what a spectacle that would have been. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. you know, we can only, we can only imagine what would have happened uh, at this point. So, um, so, uh, so for me, and, and and that's in a season where Juventus and the controversy, they lose 15 points, they get them yeah. back in appeal, then they lose 10. You know, you've got three Serie A teams reaching European finals. You've got, um, you know, Monza uh, being one of the surprise packets of the season. Um, you know, you've got, you know, Lecce returning to Serie A and this time being able to stay up. Sampdoria just being woefully poor uh, and now going down to City B. I mean, there's a ton of storylines. Milan with the struggles they had throughout the entire season and the semifinal run they went on in the Champions League. Uh, Inter with their inconsistencies and people on the Inter side calling for Inzaghi to be sacked. And what does he do? He just he guides them to a Coppa Italia and now he's got them in the Champions League final. Uh, in a group when they were back, I mean, who who called group that? Yeah, when they were in a group with Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Yeah, no I mean, one. there's just so many storylines here from this season. I mean, this se- it was it was it was beautiful to be able to cover and be able to bring it to uh, to all of you in the chat and to everybody listening to us. And yeah. uh, but I will say that Napoli's dominant performance in Serie A this season to me stands head and shoulders above everything else that went on this season. So yeah. yeah. Um, be interested to see what the chat says about theirs, and, and Bob Bob Lex is talking about Osim and running at defenses is, is an image, and yeah, um, you know we'll uh, you'd be curious to see what you guys all think. So go ahead if you're in the chat, just give us pick one thing out of this season that you think the season will be remembered by, um, and if it's something different than what we said, go have at it. So yes, sir. Um, so that aside, let's talk about the goal of the season. A lot of good goals, obviously. Serie A's got no shortage of it. Um, how many goals were scored this year? Uh, many. Add, well, you give your goal of the season or give some thoughts, and I'm going to add up the goals uh, and uh, where we were at this year. There are so many good goals this year. I mean, and to put – I mean, just the last weekend alone, you had what? You had Cope Miner scored a fantastic goal for midfield, um, you know – 
how about Ashley had a you know coast to coast run, it seemed like where he went through slalom through every every player layout with the fancy footwork at the end of the week. Uh the last match week. Um, you had Barardi early in the season. I remember when he had a fantastic volley. We thought I was gonna say stand the test of time, and it did. Um Posh for Posh had a great goal earlier in the year from distance. Um, so many good great goals this year, but for me, I think uh and it's gonna be a duplication of efforts from last year because it was almost an identical goal from last year. And that's Teo Hernandez coast to coast run um, in almost identical fashion, but probably better finished than he did last year uh, going coast to coast this year and uh, scoring that wonderful goal top corner against the keeper. Uh, it was just a memorable run. I mean, there's so many good goals. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of the goals you saw this year, but uh, for me, Teo Hernandez is the one most memorable for me. Maybe as a Milanista uh, is six in my head, but uh, yeah, that's my goal of the season. It just, when we saw it happen, you're like, he's not going to do it again, is he? And he's going through players like, he's going to do it again. Sure yeah. enough, he scores like, mother God, he did it again. <laughs> I like that shout. I mean, yeah, there was enough quality goals from match week 38. You can just pick from that. I mean, go all the way to the beginning of the season, uh, Domenico Berardi's volley. Um, you know, you've got uh, Faris Helia's just ruthless run through mid- through the middle against uh, Sassuolo. Um, that, that sticks out in my mind. Uh, Teo Hernandez's goal, as you said, um, how many times did uh, the Leo's goal? I believe was it against it's against Lecce, um, yeah. where he grabbed it from, you know, just entering the middle third of the pitch and saying, "Okay, boys, let's go on a run." Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Ossiman's volley against Roma um, at the yeah. uh, Derby della Sud at the Olimpico. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, but for me, the goal of the season was was clever. Was cheeky, was well thought out, caught everybody off guard. Uh, my goal of the season is going to be Cristiano Viraghi's midfield goal from half field, yeah. uh, putting it down on the restart against Hellas Verona. Um, that will be uh, that will be going down as my uh, goal of the season. Um, still, I mean, it's a long way. I mean, sixty yards, and it takes some technique and getting it on, you know, getting on target. So I will uh, I will go with that. Uh, for goal of the season manager of the season let's not waste a lot of time with this luciano spalletti yeah oh absolutely <laughs> spalletti uh hands down manager of the season we said it you know if he wins the title he's gonna he's gonna get it 100 deserve it there were some good performances by other managers in the league this year for sure uh vicenzo italiano is one of the guys that come come to the forefront but spalletti what he did a guy who hadn't won yet right similar to Sp- uh, pioli the year before um found a way to he 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 got the perfect team with him you know great job by the recruitment team and napoli to kind of put the assemble the team after losing some you know some fantastic players right the insignias of the world the Koulibaly's and so on and so forth and what does he do it's he gets the team on a run start early and the rumors early were like well they may do they're gonna struggle this year not gonna be that good and they went on a run early score and score goals and everyone's like well let's just wait to see what they do against the big teams and like Okay, they're winning against them too, and then it's continuing to march on. And the the most impressive thing I think with Spalletti and his team um, is Spalletti and Napoli, but more more Spalletti have a penchant for falling by the wayside come the new year, uh, you know, January, February, um, and we didn't see that. Spalletti mm-hmm. kept his team focused throughout the entire season. Very few lulls, and when it was, it was abruptly come. It was really they snapped out of it very quickly. Um, his management of the team, they had good depth. It was you know if you compare it to like how other European teams are, it wasn't that great. But for City, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. 
they, they turned Lobotka and, and, and Gisa to some fantastic household names in City A in terms of central midfield. Um, it gives Aleski a little bit more freedom to do what he does. Um, being being able to use Havarashelia and Osimhen the way he did to you know to bring them success, and then Minjai Kim, what a what success he has. All of this is as a result of Spalletti putting him in the right position, in the right place. Um, the trainings were were perfectly done. The way he talked to the media, the way he talked to his team. I mean, Spalletti just did everything right this year, yeah. and you can't blame him for leaving, right? But uh, what he did was unmatched and clearly undisputed manager of the season for me. Yep, yep. And in a season where there were some really good managerial performances, when you look at it, I mean, I mean, Maurizio Sarri guiding Lazio to second, uh, Simone Inzaghi with the Coppa Italia win, and now the Champions League finals we talked about with Inter. Um, Raffaele Palladino with the job he did at Monza. Uh, there's some great managerial performances this season, but yeah, Spalletti, Spalletti dominated it um, and uh, deserves uh, deserves the accolades here. Uh, no question about it. Let's let's hand out some dubious uh, distinctions here as our annual crap on a cracker eleven. So. Everybody likes to do a flop 11, you know, and it's usually going to be signings that don't pan out or guys that are on the bench and people will take the easy way out. Not Serie A sit down. You had to have played and you had to have proven that you sucked. Okay. (laughs) These guys all played. I think the fewest appearances anybody had out of this was 23 appearances, whether starting or substitutions. So, um, you know, so all of these guys – proved that they were terrible this season. So <laughs> let's jump into it. We're going to, and, and, and in honor, we have our choices of terrible managers too. I think there was one time we were going to do the uh, uh, Ventura four to four. We might've done that one season, <laughs> but we're going to do with Sampdoria getting relegated and, and Marco Giampaolo having a big responsibility for that team being so bad, his formation four, three, one, two, that's what we're going to go with. Um, for this system it is it it's it's a lineup that has a chance to be functional it's just these guys were so terrible um that all hell is just going to break loose uh starting in goal in our team on our crap on a cracker team uh richard is andrea Consiglie, goalkeeper of sassuolo uh goalkeeper for a sassuolo defense that conceded 61 goals this season um certainly teams conceded more um but those were those teams' goals conceded were a product of probably more bad defending than bad goalkeeping. Concilia had probably one of his worst seasons as a goalkeeper this year. Um, yes, we could say Audero. I don't think it would be fair to uh, single out uh, Carnesecchi in here, a young goalkeeper uh, that didn't have much to work with in front of him from Cremonese. Uh, you know, Montipo is still decent for Verona despite their yeah. struggles. Uh, as is Dragovsky for Spezia, and, and Dragovsky basically gets out of this for the penalty save on Lotaro. Yeah, Bacardi uh, was another good good keeper who's on a bad team. Yep. So for me, it's Andrea Consiglie was probably the worst goalkeeper in the league this season, and makes our crap on a cracker eleven. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a perplexing season for him because he's usually one of he's what he's one of my favorite goalkeepers in Serie yeah, A in general. Um, the John Ham lookalike, but he's usually a, a consistently good keeper. And this year, he had some great moments, but he had a lot of like what the hell moments, like giving the ball to the other opposition for an easy goal, um, easy saves that should have been easy saves weren't. Uh, he just made so many mistakes this year, and granted, the defense in front of him probably didn't help things. Right, they gave up a lot of goals right. this year, 
But man, he was so inconsistent for a guy who I rate very well as a, for a goalkeeper in the league. Did not live up to his reputation, and yeah, though he had some great saves here and there, didn't make up for all the mistakes he made this season. So I think he's a deserved starter uh, on our crap on a cracker team. Hmm. And here's the back four that uh, you could put turnstiles in their place, and they probably would do a better job. Uh, the right back is Kelvin Amion of Spezia. Yeah. Uh, the center back pairing is Marlon of Sassuolo and Jason Murillo of Sampdoria. Nicolo Muru at left back for Sampdoria. Man, Nicolo Muru has been on this team a lot. But Maybe talk about this back four. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, I mean th- this team is pretty bad. I mean you got to. Monza had a really good year this year, but Marlon really wasn't a good reason for their. Marlon's their, on Sassuolo. Excuse me, Sassuolo. Yeah, I'm. Oh. I'm looking at another. I'm looking ahead for someone else. Um, yeah. yeah, these guys are all bad. Muru, like we said, he's been bad for a long time, and maybe he just needs a new situation to go to. He has a potential, but just didn't live up to it at all. Amion had flashes where you think, oh, maybe he's gonna be good, but as a whole, the four guys have just had such a trash year. And yeah, they've been on bad teams, but my goodness, the mistakes that they gave, they give up. Uh, the fouls that they made in, in inopportune times, putting their teams in horrible positions defensively. Um, unacceptable for his amount of games that they played. It's just, it's not good the way they they played from beginning to end. And it, you would think it would get better as the season goes on. And that, these guys did not. No, painful, painful experience to watch all four of these guys the, throughout the throughout the course of the season. Let's move on to the midfield three. And now these are three guys that I think the expectations are are are. Um, justifiably higher than what they actually lived up to. Um, and we, we will go with Mikhail Abisher of Bologna, Bobby Gags of Inter, Roberto Gagliarini. Um, I don't think he made, maybe he didn't make 23 appearances, and this is just an easy way for us to put him on this team. But I mean, it's Bobby Gags, though. Come on. We it is play. Bobby Gags. So I, I think, he, yeah. And then Liam Henderson of Empoli. Um, I think, you know, Bobby Gag speaks for itself, but as far as Abishair, this is a guy that came from young boys, was pretty talented there, pretty productive there between Swiss League and Europa League, and then comes to Bologna and is just underperformed. Some of it's the product of the guys around him stand out and play better, and you know he doesn't maybe make the impact. You can probably say the same thing about Liam Henderson, although yeah. Liam Henderson's kind of an up and down, you know, kind of box to box with a little bit of creativity to him, though in an Empoli midfield. Uh, and an Empoli, you know, an Empoli team that didn't score a lot of goals this season. So, um, and then Gagliardini is just a, a disaster waiting to happen every time he steps on the pitch. Uh, so, Gagliardini was made for this team. What's that? Gagliardini was made for this team. Oh, he absolutely is. So, uh, you know, t- touch on these three. Uh, yeah, like, like I said, Bobby Gags, the Gags write themselves with him. Uh, you know, he has, I guess, Interisi have always fashioned something kindly about him and obviously Inzaghi puts him in the, on the pitch enough times but I, I really don't see it with with Bobby Gags and he gets enough time that he obviously it should be on this team I think the other two Abisher and and Henderson both of them I think we had a lot of hopes for this year um Henderson has some nice goals this year but very inconsistent Abisher as well for a team project like Tiago Moto was having over there at Bologna you thought he would have done a lot better um especially as the team started getting better at the end of the season but it is his progression wasn't really there. And, and again, both these players, maybe next year, uh, if they stay in the league, they'll be better, a lot better. But uh, what we saw this year for where we thought the potential could be, it just wasn't hitting it at all, at all this year. And um, 
Yeah, it's unfortunate because, again, both players had some, we thought that they could contribute to their teams and not only contribute, but be maybe standouts for their, their teams in their positions. And it just didn't happen for them for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe it's a wait-and-see thing with them, but uh, not good enough this year. I'm going to lump the Trequatista and the two strikers together because the three of them had a combined 81 appearances. <laughs> how many goals they sc- you know how many goals they have among them? One? One. <laughs> it was Henderson, right? 81. No, 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 no. I'm talking no? about the, the guys in front of Henderson oh, on this team. Yeah. yeah the Tricortista yeah. and the two forwards, 81 appearances between starts and substitutions. <laughs> one goal. Uh, Charles de Quetelare, unfortunately, uh, makes our crap on a cracker team. No goals in 32 appearances. Uh, Felix Afanajan of Cremonese in 23 appearances, zero goals. He never panned out to be what they hoped. No. Uh, Cremonese had to rely on guys like Dessers and Sajut, um, you know, among others for their goals. The guy who scored out of this group, Kevin Lasagna, uh, one goal in 26 <laughs> appearances. It was a nice uh, goal. Then you picked, I, think, I think you picked him in one of the best goals of the week, the week he scored. They didn't what and it wasn't enough to keep him off this team. No, it wasn't. So, <laughs> Talare, we've I think we've exhausted, but uh we can talk about him a little bit more if we want here. But Lasagna and Afinagian up front. Yeah, you know, Afinagian is is unfortunate because when he was at Roma, we thought, oh, this guy could be the next time. He had some flashes and we're like, Oh, this guy is gonna be a, a star. It fell out with Roma. Uh and you're like, Why did they leave us let a star like him go? But you see what you know, yeah, Scrimenez is a bad team, but he didn't do anything for them, right? And at, at, at time, this they just said, you know, we're not going to even play you. We're going to you know, go other options. Um, and he just didn't have it. And maybe it was just the adjustment of leaving Roma and then not getting acclimated to his new surroundings. I don't know. Uh, but he had such a bad season compared to what we thought he could be. Lasagna, I mean, it is what it is, right? <laughs> he is who we thought he was. Yeah. Um, just, just doesn't have it anymore. At one, time, at one point in his career, he was... A guy who could score some goals, right? At least, a, you know, at least a dozen or so. But it just doesn't happen anymore. We see so many games this year where clear cut opportunity was in front of him, and he just fluffs it, shoots it high and wide, or whatever, misses completely, or fans on the shot. Uh, lasagna just didn't didn't make the goods this year at all, as he has been for the last several years. And the Catalare, I mean, we exhausted it already. But I mean. At the end of the season, it was just like we saw a video, I think, last week or the week before where basically all the Milan players were like, hey, score a goal, score a goal. Come on, you can do it. And it's a little kid who can't do it. Uh, and he's That's at the moment. That's so sick. It is. But, you know, the funny the funny thing is, it's like a season statistically was horrid, putrid. But, I mean, there were some glimpses. There were some positive sides. At least I saw in the games where he had moments here and there. You're like, oh, this guy is silky smooth. Oh, he can make a nice quick pass and this and that. But it never came together at one time. Um, and he had so many opportunities, clear-cut opportunities in goal, and he missed them all. Uh, whether it's a fluffed shot or missed the goal completely, whatever it was, the Catalani just had a horrible season. And hopefully for him, he stays next year and gets a chance to prove that the last this past year was was uh, an apparition. And, and we'll see. I mean, I, I like to give him another chance, but he absolutely deserves to be on this team, if not the captain. Only the only the mothers of these men could love this team. That's it, <laughs> and 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 that's even and that might even be a stretch. <laughs> so, 
Oh, man. Uh, so that is our crap on a cracker 11. We'll uh, run it down again. Consigli of Sassuolo in goal. Kelvin Amian of Spezia. Marlon of Sassuolo. Murillo of Sampdoria. Muro of Sampdoria. Abisher of Bologna. Gagliardini of Inter. Henderson of Empoli. De Ketelari of Milan. Lasagna of Verona. And Afenagian of Cremonese. Uh, the dishonorable mentions on here. We'll go through them quick. Tatrasanu got to play his way out of this thanks to the win against the the first leg win against Tottenham. A couple of games in there where he, you know, where you know, there were some disasters that he had, but then there were some some meaningful wins that he had in there too that just barely got him out. And Concili played and played and just sucked a little bit more. Um, so uh, Toma Basic at Lazio deserves mention in here. Really had a hard time making a dent in this team. Um, Augustine Alvarez came with some intrigue and some interest to be a striker for Sassuolo. Could never uh, crack the starting 11. Um, Emmanuel Giassi uh, of Spezia has suddenly become useless. And Fabio De Paoli, probably his worst season in a Verona shirt, uh, you know, at least since they've been at the top, um, uh, you know, the top flight. So, um, so those would be any other dishonorable mentions to you? Um. Yeah, I mean, the only other person I would mention uh, it's Ante Rebic. I thought he had a terrible season this year. Um, sure. He was usually he's at least a half season player, and he really wasn't even that. And then he was so bad that Pioli didn't even want to put him on the team for the last three games. So yep. uh, he's my honorable mention there. Okay, good. So that's that. That's the, let's get to the good stuff now. We now move on to the team of the season. We're going to do it a little differently this season. Last year yeah. we had a collaboration. I think Richard couldn't make it, and we had three other guests, and we did. We all did it. We all voted. Um, the legally blind backup. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sorry. So, oh uh, man. Um, this year, Richard is going to pick his team of the season. I'm going to pick my team of the season. So we're going to kind of separate it. We'll see what we agree on. And we'll see where we have the uh, debate. So, Richard, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah. So, I think uh, I think we are going to have some disagreements on our team. Uh, sure. But um, I'll go with my best eleven, and then I'll give you my substitutions or my honorable mentions. I should say first and goal. First, probably first argument we're going to have. Um, I'm going to go with the champions. I'm going to go with Napoli. I'm going to go with Maret. Alex Maret. Uh, I thought had a fantastic year this year. Um, I've been I've been pushing for this guy to be the starter for the Azzurri over Donnarumma. Um, Moret, I think, has been consistent. Um, maybe doesn't have the most shutouts in the year, but he's come up with big saves. He's a big reason why Napoli did what they did this year. They provided he provided stability back there that they didn't have in past years, uh, and it was a rotation always with either Ospina and him or whoever it was um, Pepe Reina, right? There's another guy I mentioned, but Moret brought the goods. He actually was given the reins this year. And he did not fold. Many thought he would fold. I thought he would fold under that kind of pressure. He did not. He stepped up. And I thought uh, one of the best goalkeepers of the season for sure and uh, deserves to be in the starting 11 for me. Moving on right back. There's a little theme here. I'm going to say Napoli. I'm going to go with Di Lorenzo. I think Di Lorenzo had a fantastic year. Both he and Mario Rui, not that Mario Rui's on this team, but uh, both of his players, I thought, stepped up this year. Where there's many question marks with the, with, the, with the wing back, especially the right back. Uh, the captain... Um, kind of brought the team on his back, and when, when times were tough, he stepped up with either timely goals, timely defensive play, motivation, you know, speaking to the team to get him, you know, staying on course. Di Lorenzo was fantastic <clears throat> this year, I thought. Um, I've seen Napoli. Look, it's a theme here. Uh, Kim Min Jai, center back. Uh, he's, he's probably in everybody's, you know, back four. 
uh, what a you know with Koulibaly leaving, we said what's going to happen with them. He comes in and makes it people forget basically for Koulibaly. Yeah, and Jai Kim from the beginning from the first game, he was a dominant presence in the back uh, for City A and continued to get better as the season went on, which is hard mm-hmm. to imagine. Um, even in the World Cup, he did well until they ran into Brazil, but that's Brazil, right? Uh, Menjai Kim was excellent. He's an he's excellent offensive end, excellent defensive end. He can transition the ball to with the you know when, when if he wants to run up the pitch. Um, he does everything, and he's such a special player. Hopefully, not to keep hold on to him for a little bit longer. Um, his pair, his partner. This is where I had trouble to try to find someone to pair him with because I was thinking a lot at times. I thought about some other teams here and there. The player I thought I ended up going with is a guy who honestly is my comeback player of the year, and I'm going to go with Acerbi, uh former Lazio player, but now with Inter. Uh, he really kind of stepped up, especially with screen yard debacle that happened with Inter, and, and people weren't sure what was going to happen there. DeVry kind of started like uh, a downward turn with him. Acerbi stepped up and kind of like shut down all the opposition attacks, right? Acerbi was rock solid back there um, for a guy who we thought we all wrote him off, basically. I know both you and I did, and he came back strong this year and was a dominant figure for, for Inter, a big reason why they did so well this year on many fronts. So he's my center back. And I'm going to stick with Inter. I'm going to go DiMarco and left back. You know, People probably thought we were going to go with Hernandez, but I think DiMarco was fantastic this year. Both he and Teo had four goals, three assists. DiMarco did it in far less minutes than, than Teo Hernandez did. Uh, DiMarco was a big game player. He was a Milan killer. Uh, this year, uh, he just did so many things well, especially when he finally got the reins full time. Uh, he really showed what he could do. And that's why, you know, four goals, three assists in the amount of time that he had versus, you know, Terry Hernandez, who was a starter from the beginning. I thought DeMarco, that would edge it for me. Um, basically goals per minute and all that stuff. Uh, midfield for me. We might not have too much disagreement here. Um, going back to Napoli, Labotka. Labotka, most underrated def- central midfielder in the league. Uh, maybe Europe. What he did this season was ridiculous. His worst game was the loss to Milan, uh, and that was just one game, honestly. I think Labotka was such a instrumental piece to their puzzle, um, was linking up the defense to the attack, um, made a great partnership with Anguisa in the middle of the midfield there. Great tackles, great vision. Labotka even scored some goals, right? Uh, he just did everything. was such a fantastic player for, the, for Napoli. Uh, best midfielder in the league for me this year. Um, a guy I think you you and I will agree with, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Fantastic comeback year again for him, or maybe not a comeback year, but a strong campaign this year uh, for Lazio, especially with the whole turmoil with Luis Alberto. No really you know, defensive midfielder that you could talk about for, for Lazio. SMS stood up and really took the, took control of this team. You know, Chiro Mobile is out for a while. He was a leader on this team, had big goals for them, uh, did everything you you'd at, you want a central midfielder to do. But did it with a little bit of flair that uh, for a guy his size, you know, there's only a few guys his size who can do that stuff. Zlatan obviously comes to my mind, a younger Zlatan, but uh, SMS uh, truly was one of the better midfielders of the league. And then maybe the controversy here for between you and I, I'm going to go Adrian Rabio of Juventus. I think he uh, caught on fire just before the World Cup, certainly through the World Cup, and kept it going through the rest of the season uh, of a team that had a lot of inconsistencies. Um, terrible play, um, off-field issues. Robbie Yo seemed to be the one consistent player there where he either score goals, do well in, in the defensive end. Um, he just seemed to 
played to the, the limelight, which was the World Cup, and kind of stayed on that high for the rest of the season. This is kind of the the Rabiot we all thought we were going to get when, we, when he came from PSG, right? PSG, there's all this tout about this player uh, that, oh, look at this guy. Even when he was at Bordeaux, like, oh, this guy is a special player. And we didn't see it at Juventus initially, but this year I think he kind of earned his weight, right? And then uh, my, my top three, my front three are probably everybody's front three. Uh, or maybe is it? Maybe it's not. Um, front three, Osiman, leading goal scorer. Uh, and I got Havarashelia and Leao up there. You know, Leao coming off of his MVP season and improved upon it. Havarashelia, guy came out of nowhere, basically, aside, for, aside of you and I, right? Uh, came out of nowhere and, and dominated the league. And then Osiman obviously doing what he did. These three guys, maybe maybe not functionally they won't work, but Leao and Havarashelia can both play on the right-hand side. They can play anywhere on the pitch. That's how good they are. And Osiman too, right? Uh, so I think these three guys are by far the best three attackers in the league this year. Uh, and then um, my honorable mentions. Uh, let me put my picture here so you can see my team here. Uh, I'm hoping that's the one. We'll, we'll see. We'll find out. Is it it? That is not it. <laughs> um, wrong one. Give me a rookie. Rookie. I'm, I'm working on here, Frank. I'm working on here. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's my team. Um, but uh, honorable mentions. I'm going to go Apollo Dybala, uh, Lautaro Martinez. Fantastic year, hit 20 goals this year. Adama Lookman had a great first half of the season, kind of fell off the, the plate after that, but he had a great first half. Uh, Bula Ja for um, Salernitana, 16 goals this year, unreal. Uh, Enzola for Spezia, another guy who had a fantastic year, a lot of goals. Terra Hernandez, obviously, as a left back, uh, Provadel and Magnon, two goalkeepers. I thought they were fantastic this year, uh, but Moret, uh, for me, beat this beat them out. So, yeah, that's my, um, that's my. Best 11, I guess. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I like your team. Yeah. I don't have any, don't have a whole lot of issues. I mean, it's all, you know, it's objective. It's all certainly subjective. Um, you know, Kyle says Zielinski's got to be in it for him. Um, yeah. Creating right. the most chances in the league. That's fine. Apex is picking just, I think he's, Apex is kind of picking. He wants to make sure, I think, the best four attackers in this league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. trying to jam them in there when we do our, when we do these teams we want them to make we want to make sure that we're functional when we put it up we, our vision is we put this on the pitch and it works it's functional and the formation um, of the winning team of the year yep and it's always the f- formation of the champion so that's that's kind of what we restricted to so that's why it's hard to you know throw two strikers you know into this because it was a four three three with one striker so so yeah we are going to disagree your so your goalkeeper this season was alex Merritt. mine is ivan Provadel of uh, Lazio won. He played all 38 games in Serie A, um, and he uh, led the league in clean sheets with 21. That was five more than your boy Merritt. Um, so uh, that's you know, but I won't fight you on Merritt, e- Merritt either. Um, but it was it's crazy how Provadel gets here. He gets here because Lazio needs to figure out that the guy that they really wanted to to get to be their goalkeeper, Maximiano makes yeah. a complete ass of himself on the first match day. Uh, and Provadel has to go in and, and, and save it for Lazio and, and put together 21 clean sheets and they go with him from here on out. And with Maximiano probably looking for a job, um, you know, so yeah, Reno, we're from uh, the USA. I'm from, uh, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Richard's from the DC area. So, um, <clears throat> so so Ivan Ivan Provedel gets in as my goalkeeper of the se- goalkeeper and my goalkeeper of the season. 
My right back, I'm going to go in a different direction. You went with Giovanni Di Lorenzo, and I have absolutely no problem with that. He's on my substitutes bench. But I can't ignore the season that Stefan Posh had for Bologna. And I think there's got to be some kind of nod to the job that Thiago Mota did with this team, getting the team to play to the level that it's capable of where may he rest in peace. And he's Mihailovic really struggled with. Um, uh, and Stefan Posh stepped forward and scored goals. He created goals. Um you know, I think we saw you you saw signs of this watching him play in Bundesliga for Hoffenheim. You know, when Bundesliga was the only game in town during the pandemic, he was a guy that kind of caught my attention watching some of those games. Um, and now he's come to Serie A, and it's nice to see him in a team with Bologna contributing and and giving Bologna one of their better seasons that they've had in a few years. And uh, um, I think, as in terms of general overall performances. Throughout the course of the season, I, you know, if people want to say Di Lorenzo, got no problem with it. If they want to say Dumfries, actually, I've got no problem with it. But I, I, I really have banged the drum for Stefan Posh here, especially in the second half of the season, and he finds a place in my team of the season. So, um, I go with Nico Casale as my first center back. I mean. Gosh, the first half of the season, it seemed like every time Saudi started him, Lazio came out of there with a clean sheet. Um, but also we could find that he was dangerous on corners on the other side too and scored scored himself a couple goals. So uh, good defender, good future, a guy I'm excited to see, you know, eventually progress to the national team. Um, <clears throat> we had this argument, as did many, that Casali and Romagnoli probably should have been the center back pairing for Italy 100%. in the first two European qualifiers. Um, you know, but Mancini continues to go with his tried and trusted. So. Kim and Jai goes without saying he should be in everybody's team, Serie A team of the season. You're crazy if he's not in there. Um, so, uh, I mean, I you, you said it all about him. There's really nothing more that I'm going to contribute. And I'm with you at the left back position with Fede DeMarco. Um, I think he was the better left back this season. And I just think that Teo Hernandez had a spell there for about two or three months that it, it wasn't Teo-esque. And I think that might have been World Cup hangover. Um, you know, but, uh, eventually he got it back together, got a second win, scored that wonderful goal against Lazio and then started to contribute late on in the season here for the Rossoneri. But I think, uh, you know, too little, too late. I think that what DiMarco did was a little more meaningful to enter than what Teo did for Milan. So, um, Labotka is my, uh, regista, if you will, uh, holding midfielder. Um, I think his, clearly his best season in a Napoli shirt, uh, the composure he played with, you know, kind of, kind of sitting behind the guy that kind of supports the play, lets the guys and you know lets the guys work in front of him so that you know to create, and then things spill back to him, and he finds the pass to get things started again. Uh, does a lot of ball winning. Really like what he's done. I'm with you on Milinkovic Savic. This is a Lazio that got to second without being as chido dependent as they had been in previous seasons. And Milinkovic Savic, a big part of that, I believe, nine goals, eight assists. Um, you know, box to box midfielder, but also a threat in terms of the in terms of scoring and creating too. Uh, certainly had his one of his best seasons. Uh, you know, in a Lazio shirt, and he's had some good ones. You like Rabio? I don't hate Rabio, but I am going to give the nod to Tun Kupminers of Atalanta. Um, really like how he progressed as the season went on. Um, and uh, really like uh how he kind of became the creative cog in Atalanta as the season progressed, uh, you know, and helped to get them into that Europa League place, uh, especially when Malinowski went off to Marseille. 
um, and that uh, somebody was going to have to pick up the ball, um, you know, in terms of those responsibilities for Ladea. And I thought that uh, Coop Miners has a ton of talent. He's technically very strong. Um, you know, a guy that um, I'm willing to get on the bandwagon. I've seen a few people tout him on Twitter, and I, I have – you know, I, I, I fully support the hype um, and to a point where I thought that he was he was very good in the midfield and a guy that can pull the mid, the, the, the the strings in the midfield for us in this setup. So and my front three is your front three, uh, Leo, Cavatatalia and Olsiman. I mean, I don't know, you know, you unfortunately with this format, forced to pick it with this formation, you, you got to leave Lataro out. You put you could put him on the right hand side. Um. But, uh, you know, I think in general, I'd have I had Fada on the left and I would have um, uh, Leo on the right, uh, you know, if we're going to do it. Uh, but but nonetheless, I think, you know, you, you've, you've got the point there. But <clears throat> um, statistically, Leo had a better season this, se- this year. Um, interestingly enough, I was really – he was almost my last man in uh, and was kind of half – serious about Matias Akanyi uh, yeah. being put in that spot with the job that he did in the role that he played for Lazio this season, maybe picking up some of the slack when Immobile wasn't scoring goals for Lazio and being another crucial part of why Lazio finished second. I, I'll just default to the guy that scored a few more goals in Leao, uh, you know, in that particular situation. And then I did an 11-man bench. Matias Akanyi, Francesco Acerbi, who you mentioned, Lataro Martinez, I thought Hakan Chalanolu had an excellent season. Um, I would have no problem making Alex Merritt my backup goalkeeper. Paulo Dybala, great first season with Roma. Gio Di Lorenzo is a backup right back. Armando Izzo, uh, Adamo Lukman, Adrian Rabio, and then Lorenzo Pellegrini would round that out for me as my yep. my deep 11-man bench. I don't know if you can build a second team out of that or not, but um, that's the direction that I am going. So Cool. Um, so with a that... Few- a few minor differences. Yeah, no, not bad. I think uh, you can't go wrong either way, and I'm sure people will hate no matter what you no matter what you say because their player wasn't in there. But again, there's so many good players this season. I think the front three are arguably the best, you know, best this year. And Kim and Jai, I think, is has to be in everybody's uh, everybody's best eleven. I think we both think that LeBlanc could probably be in everybody's best eleven, but yep. not, not many people are picking him surprisingly. But uh, yeah, with with that said, um, who's your MVP of the year? Gosh, I have been going back and forth on this one because I think that you can make the argument for either player. They're both on Napoli, and I think you know where we're going here. So, um, Militano and uh, <laughs> and Elmas. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. Um, I am gonna just ever so slightly give it to Kvicha Kvaratelia. Okay. Ever so slightly. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, you know what? Screw it. It's our podcast. It's a tie. Uh, I think okay. that Kvitsa Kvaratelia and Victor Osiman share it. Okay. Um, because I don't think you can go with one without the other um, over the course of the season. Um, Fadatalia, double-digit goals and assists. Olsiman, Capocan, and Yeti winner. Both very, very impressive in their contributions to Napoli's dominance this season. And it's, I, I think it's really hard to just have one stand out over the other. So for me, it's a co-MVP. Fadatalia and Olsiman share uh, player of the season for me. 
Um, I was trying to look up something. But my phone doesn't want to work right now. But uh, it's interesting. Now, and I, you can't argue with that, right? And obviously, Havarashila came in this year with you know no expectations for most people, and he came up and he kind of he just blew 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 the field away. Really, um, I was trying to pull up some statistics for somebody who I'd argue would be above Havrashilia in the MVP race. Uh, and I'm going to say, and it's hard, and maybe not. Now that I'm thinking about it. But if you, if you look at it statistically, last year, Rafa Leal won the MVP. How does he follow up this year? We all say like, it's, it's hard to – you have a really great season in the league. You don't know if it's going to be class or just a, a, a Andrea Balotti, one and done, right? Mm-hmm. Rafa Leal – Follows it up with a better season statistically, and so I could argue, I could see the argument if you say Liao's MVP again because of the numbers he put up. I'm not going to necessarily say that. I'm just saying it's an argument you can have. I think what Havana Shelia did was a huge reason why Napoli won the championship this year, um, and the combination, like you said, of him and Osiman together, you probably can't go wrong with either guy. But for me, like Apex, I think it's Osiman is the as the MVP, and I think it's, I think it's not even close, honestly. I think I think okay. I think Harashili is a, is the second for sure, but mm-hmm. I think Osiman, the goals he brought in, it wasn't just like, it wasn't just like he was on breakaways and and, and scored goals. No, he did everything. He scored for the penalty, scored headers, he scored beautifully technical goals, he scored wonderful volleys. I mean, he did everything. He's a strong hold up player. He's underrated as a strength uh, a strong hold up player uh for a striker you would think just by looking at him you're like oh he, he can't he can't hold the ball up but he can he certainly can he's strong as hell um he had every damn defender in europe scared of him yeah uh, as somebody put in the, in the chat that one of the images what they have is also been running at the defenses and yeah that's what he did he scared the hell out of everybody and he got that mask on to make it even worse right so mm-hmm. i think also i i don't think i think if Simeone was leading the line and Havarashila did his thing. I don't think Napoli would have been as good as they would have been. I think Osimhen is a huge reason why Napoli won the Scudetto this year. Um, and for me, is my MVP. I think I, I saw enough in games where Osimhen didn't play to say that he impacted the team the most. Not that Havarashila didn't. And it's not mm-hmm. knocking anybody picks Havarashila. Uh, but I think Osimhen just, uh, for me, was the best player in the league this year and uh, fully deserving uh, to win that. You can make the case that Milan had the blueprint for stopping Faratelia. Yeah. Yeah. And then he kind of got found out a little, to Apex's point in the chat. Yeah, that's true. That he got found out a little bit towards the end of the season. So we'll see how he bounces back. But what he did up until that point was just um, just a torrid, torrid run. Yeah. Nobody could um, stop Osimin, but everybody, people, a couple of people found out a way to stop Osimin, Havrashila, uh, Calabria, yeah. and then a couple others, right? You could make the argument that. Osiman accelerated because people started keying more in on Kvaratelia and Osiman had more space as a result. Yeah. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, so I I I I'm I'm just gonna have them share it. I can't I I I I don't it's our think show, you, we do what you want. Exactly. And you don't like it, get your own show. Um so I just have a hard time one without the other. It's kinda like the old Utah jazz of the nineteen nineties. You can't have Malone without Stockton, you know, you know, it kind of, it almost feels that way, even though there's many other contributors on Napoli. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a believer that, that, that both of these guys had very significant impacts in the run that Napoli went on this season. So it's hard for me to, 
pick one over the other. So I'll just say they they can share I, it. Can I say I would I want to give a shout out to um and no not Leao, uh, but I, I think Lautaro Martinez had a, an excellent season this year. Yes, no doubt. He carried his team in in, in big games this year. He in, in all the big games he seemed to show up, and especially after the World Cup, where you know he is a streaky player. When he's on, he is one of the best in, uh, big game players in the world. Um, and when he's off, he's obviously off. But he all is right. so good for for Inter this year. I mean, and in Champions League when they needed him the most, he showed up. Right, scored against Milan in the semifinals. Um, he did everything right for the team. He is a big reason why Lukaku kind of had a reemergence, right? It's because of the partnership with him. Um, Luke, uh, Lautaro is just such a, a, a wonderful player this year, and I'm glad to see him being a lot more consistent because you see what he can do, 20 goals, 21 goals, uh, with the consistency that he had. And, yeah, I think we both forgot about Belotti and the crap in the cracker. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, if you, 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 you know, but I don't think he has many appearances as these other guys. Um, yeah, that's probably true. So I'd, I'd have to go back and look at it, but um, still zero goals for yeah. even if he played twenty, made twenty appearances. That's pathetic. So. Catalare esque. Yep, yep, very much so. Uh, all right, well we've we've I think that that pretty much kills it for the uh, our, our our entire review, the review della Madonina. I think we are we are good to go there. So um, before we get into who won Calcio Twitter for the last time this season, Richard, we will uh, quick uh, have a chat about the. UEFA Conference League final uh, taking place uh, tomorrow. Where is this final being played again? Budapest? No, no? Uh, in Prague, actually. Prague, Prague. Right, at Prague. the Aiden Arena. Um, Fiorentina, West Ham United. Um, if wagering is your kind of thing, Fiorentina is a plus 175 to win. West Ham's a plus 180 to win. Um, interestingly enough, the over two and a half is at plus one fifteen. Um, both teams to score, yes, is at minus one twenty. I think both teams are going to score in this game. Um, I can't see the scenario where they don't. I think they've got capable attacks, but they also, I think they've also got poor defenses. Um, I think this is a fascinating game. Um, I think this is going to be a fun watch. I don't think it's going to be the rock fight that Sevilla and Roma was. Um, I think that this will open up a little bit more and there'll be some more chances. Uh, how Fiorentina cope with Icone or how, how West Ham cope with Icone in particular. I think Icone is an interesting player in this game, Richard. Because I think he'll start on the right-hand side. SofaScore's got him starting on the left, and I don't think that's right. I think Nico will start on the left. I think that there's a mismatch there with Aaron Cresswell, uh, if Cresswell's the starter. Um, And then, uh, you know, you've got the midfield Amrabat, Mandragora, who can do some playmaking, Giacomo Bonaventura with his energy. And then you've got Cristiano Baraghi, who will be able to operate, you know, down the left-hand side. Dodo will stay home more with Saeed Benrama probably starting on his side. Um, you know, and then an old friend, we we remember, Lucas Paqueta of, of West Ham. And I think he, he started to be decent here down the stretch. Could arguably be Declan Rice's last game with West Ham United. Lots of interesting storylines. But let's look at it from the Fiorentina perspective, Richard. They win if blank. Oh, I mean... 
it's gonna be it's a it's a final. It's gonna be a, a daunting task no matter what. I think they're gonna win, and maybe this is a cheap way to get out of it. But if Vincenzo Italiano gets his tactics spot on, um, they're gonna have to be able to soak up pressure because you know that pressure is gonna come, uh, and undoubtedly will. Um, and then it's not only that being disciplined on the defensive side, but offensively you you have to take your chances. And so if uh, this will be a hell of a time for Jovic to, to start scoring goals. I almost said Jokic. I'm thinking of the NBA Finals. Uh, it'll be a hell of a time for Jovic to become the player we thought he was going to be, right, after Frankfurt. Um, yeah. Or, or Cabral, Cabral to step up. But I think someone like an Ikone or maybe an Amrabah with his transition from defense to offense, um, they're going to have to catch West Ham and take their moments. You cannot win a title, as Roma saw, by not being clutch and getting your opportunities that you that are presented to you. You're not going to get many, likely, even though Fiorentina are a possession-based team. Um, but you have to not let those opportunities squander because the more those t- opportunities go fleeting, you give the opposition the more the 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 confidence that they're going to get back into the game, assuming you know it's not 0-0 at that point or level on points. Uh, so, yeah... It, Tactically, it's going to have to be a masterclass, I think. If Vicenzo Italiano has done what he's done up to this point, Fiorentina is going to lift the trophy. Um, and also, I just love to see an Italian team win something uh, here. You know, Inter has a chance this Saturday, but um, Fiorentina would be great to see. It'd be, it'd be a hell of a story and a great to see a city have back to back Conference League winners, you know, the first two years and both Italian teams, you know. So, uh, and then they'd be in Europa League next year because of it. So, yeah. They hopefully the tactics are nailed here with Vicenzo Italiano and Fiorentina are successful. I think Fiorentina win. Um, I think okay, they've had their they've had their final against they've had their first cup final here against Inter. Learn some things about who they are. You know, a lot of these guys on West Ham have not been in a game like this in a cup final. You know, and people can talk about the pressures of of trying to survive relegation in the Premier League. You know, that's, di- you know, the week in, week out league functions are different than cup games. We've learned that already. Um, I think Fiorentina win this game, and I'm going to say they win it 2-1. And I, I like the Nico Gonzalez shout here from Apex. I like, you know, I think he can pull some strings and make things hard. I, I think Ikone has yeah. a big role in this game tomorrow. Um, we, we both love him. He's been great for yep. Fiorentina this year. Yep. So I go 2-1 to Fiorentina tomorrow. I love that scoreline. And I'm going to go Bonaventura against the winner. All right. A little nostalgia. In the battle of ex-Milan midfielders, Bonaventura will get the upper hand over Paqueta. So, and now the big one. On Saturday um, in Istanbul, uh, Manchester City and Inter. Manchester City is a minus 222 favorite. Inter's a plus 550 dog. Uh, Both teams to score, actually, interestingly enough, no is at minus 125. And the over two and a half is at minus 137. All of this tells you that most are anticipating a Manchester City onslaught. And that's where the money's going. We're going to tell you why Inter are going to say not so fast here. And we've been talking about this since this final has been established. I, you, First of all, you got a couple of things that are going for Inter heading into this game. Number one, Simone Inzaghi's reputation as a cup manager throughout the course of this season, but it's it's, it's something we've known about for a while now. Um, you know, maybe he might not have the greatest league seasons year in and year out, but you get him in cup one-offs and it's a different story where he has to just singularly be focused on 90 minutes against one opponent. Um, he's proving to be a guy that 
you would want to go to in a game like that. Um, that's one thing. Two, this game environment, Inter is going to be more than happy with playing in. Okay. They don't want the ball. Manchester City wants the ball. Manchester City is going to have about 80% possession on Saturday. Um, It won't surprise me. Um, Inter will defend. They'll defend in numbers. They'll block out passing lanes. They'll press when the opportunities are there to press. But what they ultimately want to do, and SofaScore has Dzeko starting with Lotaro. I think that's bullshit. I think Lukaku's starting. Um, At least if that's what I would do. Um, what I can see Inter doing, they're going to leave those two strikers high. And this is a Manchester City team that will give up some goals. Um, They're not airtight defensively. You know, the only reason why they're going to be good defensively is because they're going to be keeping the ball for such long periods of time. Inter can counter. And Manchester City can struggle with teams with counter. And not struggle with teams that counter. Um, uh, Inter defending and waiting for the counter is what will ruin them, but that's what they're good at. Okay. And, and, you know, I don't think we understand that. Um, I think this game's closer than the odds makers are suggesting. Um, And I think that I like Kyle's point. If Inter don't concede, the the longer they can go without conceding, the more the advantage is to Inter. Um, Mkhitaryan is doubtful for this game on Saturday. I see, Bro- which means Brozovic probably plays from the start. And that gives you a guy that sits in front of the back three. And what's Brozovic going to do? He's going to cover ground in the midfield and he's going to cover passing lanes. Okay. And you can be damn sure that he's watching tape and saying, we're, you know, from what midfield positions are they trying to feed it into Holland? Let me make sure I'm blocking that off. Let me make sure that I'm confronting Gundogan. Uh, when it's okay to confront him. Let me make sure that I'm supporting my defenders when I need to support him. And he's he's probably learning everything there need he needs to learn because who cares about age and, and and where you're at? It's just one this is one game. This is it. It's it the season's done after this. Yeah. So that's how I'm gonna lay it in. I'll give my prediction after I give you after I after I let you speak after I have you speak about your thoughts on what you anticipate out of the game. Yeah, I mean I think what Kyle said is is going to be the key there's going to be a major onslaught in the beginning with the city trying to put the, the knockout the, the heavyweight puncher's punch right and the, mike tyson punch in the first in our first round mm-hmm. um if inter could withstand that they're going to be good it's you know the main city are loaded no doubt about it mm-hmm. but i think the key player for them obviously the two key players i would say bernardo silva is one of them and then obviously um mr de bruyne there they're two fantastic players uh especially de bruyne but Brozovic is there. You got the bit Barella. He's gonna be he's gonna be spicy in this game. You're gonna love it. Um, I think Inter as Eduardo says, it's, it's almost a perfect match because they don't want the ball. They want to hit you on the counterattack, and City will well, hell yeah, of course they're gonna take the ball. Whether they want it or not, they're gonna take the ball. Um, and so Pep is gonna try to do something different as he always does in, in some of these games. He maybe he overthinks this. I don't know, but um how you handle those two those two key cogs for C is going to be huge for them. And I think the midfield players can certainly do it. Um, and I know you and a couple others are here saying, you know, want to see Lukaku start this. I actually wouldn't mind to see Jack because Jacko, one, is his former team he's going against. Um, he's been doing really well in the Champions League so far uh, next to Lautaro Martinez to start the game. Hmm. And then when the guys get tired defensively, you get a little bit more ball in the second half. You bring Lukaku with that pace and that, and that power it's and a good way really to put it. open it up. And really uh, open up for Lautaro Martinez to kind of 
be that killer instinct. I think Lautaro scores in this game. He's hmm. been on fire the second half of the season and in the big games. Um, it is going to be close. I don't, you know, I, if it's a two-legged affair, I say City win and landslide. You cannot hold the City for two legs, I think. No. It's very impossible. Real Madrid showed that they even as good as they are, they couldn't do it. But in a one-off, anything can happen. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, this is going to shock some people, I think. One, for how close it is, because many people are expecting a blowout. But I, I, I really do think Inter can can snatch victory here. I, I really do. And I think um, Lautaro is going to be a figure in this game. And hell, fucking Barella is probably going to be... He's always involved in these, in these, in these games with goals, right? So um, mm-hmm. it's going to be... It's gonna be the, it's gonna have to be a defensive masterclass, an Italian masterclass, an Italian job for Inter to do it, and they're more than capable of doing it. They've shown it this year. Francesco Serbi has been excellent at man marking strikers throughout the season. He now has his biggest project uh, on Saturday, marking yeah. Erling Holland. Yeah. Um, let's see if he can handle that and rise to the occasion. Um, you know, marking. Holland is another level from marking Olivier Giroud, from marking Medi Taremi, from marking Gonzalo Ramos, players that he's had to deal with in uh, knockout stages of the Champions League. Robert Lewandowski he saw in the group stage and didn't fare particularly well. Lewandowski got a share of goals. Um, And then uh, Bayern really don't have a striker. Um, You know, Chupamoting. Uh, uh, so, um, Eduardo's point, DeMarco's comment, a dream for Inter, an obsession for City. City's trying to complete the trouble. All the pressure is on City. It's all on City. Holland yeah, probably can, won't feel it, but everyone else is going to feel it. Yep. Inter will come in there knowing they've got nothing to lose. No one's expecting anything out of them. I think that they can play their game, they can play with confidence. You know, I, I saw the comment about Onana. If he gets an early save in this game, I think that settles him into it too. Yeah, uh, you have no idea how huge that is for goalkeepers. Yeah. Oh man. Um. I I can't. I just think that something odd happens. Inter loses this game. I just I you know. Give me a bullshit I, penalty or something, right? Bullshit well, I, I won't go so far to say that, but. Something that you know, because every time, every time you get, um, every time you get to a uh, final, it you know you, you 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 the goal comes from something you might not expect. I mean, how many times have we seen it in Champions League finals? Last year, when Real Madrid beat Liverpool, I I could have told you straight away that Vinicius Junior was going to score the goal because Trent Alexander Arnold can't defend for shit. He's going to get owned by Vinicius Jr. That would happen. But, I mean, when Bayern beat PSG, I didn't have Coleman pegged for the goal. I thought it would come from somewhere else. And, you know, some of these other finals where goals just come, goals can just tend to come from odd places. And I think that that might happen here. Um, Dumfries? <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, I think that whether it's a, you know, something goofy, it's something from the midfield, you know, if, it could be Rodri, uh, you know, with with Inter packed in, and Rodri has scored from distance this season. But Gondwan is good too. Yeah, I 
I just I just think Manchester City are the better overall team. Oh, I think sure. that they're on a mission, and I think they're going to close this out. As much as I would love to see the upset and how great an advert it would be for Serie A, um, I just I, I I can't I can't get past what City have. I don't think this game is blowing out. Um, I'm going to go two one to City. Okay. Uh, I, I enter will they'll be it'll be two nil and they'll be comfortable and they'll get into a lull and then to your point Lukaku will come in the game and Inter will score, you know somewhere in the mid eighties and create some create some drama for for the rest of the game. But I think City ride it out uh, and they get their trouble. I I, I just I I can't I I want to see Inter win for for the league. I just I can't. My my head can't my can't, my head can't pick that. After you. especially after Roma went up, after Roma lost to Sevilla. Yeah, yeah, it, it is hard because you have the you have a juggernaut that is Manchester City. Um, I think it'd just be so good for Europe if they if they lost. Um, yeah, not not that I dislike them at all. I think they've got wonderful players on their team. Um, but I'm gonna go. I like the two one shout. I'm gonna yeah. say two one uh, goals from. Lautaro early, and then I say Lukaku wins it. Okay, the Chelsea guy gets one over on City uh, and celebrates <laughs> in his in his fashion that he does. So there you go. And Eduardo's comment: He's not seen. You know, City haven't seen a two striker system. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard it struggle. Oh, may, oh, maybe not. In the, maybe not in the league. I guess yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I thought I thought I heard that when they played two striker systems in the in EPL, they struggled a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And take that with a grain of salt because they won the league but <laughs> you yeah know what i mean but uh yeah let's see let's see who are the two striker systems in the premier league um there aren't many yeah i can't think of top of my head i'm most, sure, there are. And I'm sure about all of them. bob can can tell us but uh nottingham forest i think um with a one and brennan johnson that might be the, that might be it. I'd, I'd have to I'd have to look at it, and we should we should keep this moving along. So it's going to be a heck of a final. I you know it, I'm saying this on Tuesday night that City win two one, but I I've got a few days to change my mind, and if I do, I'll tell you one. So Brentford, I thought Brentford played with three. It was it was Tony with with uh, Embuemo and Wissa. Um, now Brighton played with one. Um, Two two strikers and wingbacks are the antithesis for Manchester City. Um, yeah, I it's it is it is you know Milan had problems with it too. Um, you force the center backs, and especially if you play four in the back, you force the center backs to man mark the strikers. Mm-hmm. And if you're midfield, and it's exactly what how Milan got beat for the Mkhitaryan goal. If your midfielders don't track back, the midfield runners coming through, you're screwed. Um, Tony and Barella. will play together. Yeah, or yeah, or Barella even. Uh, yeah. So, um, so that'll be interesting. Um, but right now, I'm going to just say City, and then if I change my mind, I'll I'll tweet it on, I'll put it out on Twitter. So, um, okay. What? But we can't wait. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a very good game. It's not going to be the walk in the park that some of the people that some of the money seems to suggest. So, um, last who won Calcio Twitter of the season? Let's get on to the world's most ha- popular hashtag game. Did you find those tweets from May thirty first, or I need to read? Yeah, them? we're gonna figure this out, and maybe we'll we'll go along and do it best we can tonight. Uh, it's the last one, so we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it okay. out. But we'll, 
We'll start off with. Uh, it's like a the Who on Calcho Twitter is like a teacher who is uh, pretty much checked out on the last week of the school year. So exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Us too. Um, we'll start off with under the cosh, and it's. Uh, I feel like Ibanez and Mancini spend most of their off the pitch time wrestling with each other. This is in the Roma Sevilla game, and both those guys just like to fight and wrestle around. So. Yeah, yep. it's very possible. <laughs> yep, agreed. Moving on, our friend Michael Lisi at AC Milan. Michael, Michael, thank you for all the support as always. Um, after the uh, Europa League final, Roma won XG. Congrats, XG, yep. for expected goals. Uh, I'm going to just pick random ones, and we'll go with that. Uh, let's see. We're going to go with... Um, we're going to go with... Are we not oh, doing the World Soccer Talk one? I, I, I can't find... Mine are all different orders. Mine are oh, okay. all different orders. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, actually one from Nima. Not, oh, Nima, actually. It's uh, Jerry Cardinal and Tumaldini today. Master at the finita league. la festa. È finita. <laughs> finita la festa. <laughs> uh. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Let's. Uh, I'm going to work my way back down here. Uh, let's go to. Uh, um, AC Milan Michael wanted to make mention of an interview with Cristiano Ronaldo World World Soccer Talk saying that Cristiano Ronaldo says, quote, I think the Saudi League can be the fifth top league in the world. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Did they make uh, marijuana legal in Saudi Arabia? Apparently. Apparently. Oh. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Rosana. Rosaneranto, uh, it's uh, Zlatan ends his career with the falling after Verdic fans hear him. Is what you were talking about. Keep whistling. This is the highlight of your year, seeing me. <laughs> <laughs> that is class. Okay, so uh, we go to uh, our friend uh, Vuteling, uh, who nominated Lazio Space. Uh, we can't wait to hear the Champions League anthem. And it's the office with... Steve Carell blaring it out and all of the uh, rest of the office characters with the City Out logos. <laughs> so. Uh, of course, nothing's working for me, so I can't find it. So, uh, Moving on. Uh, Troll football. This man is still at Real Madrid because he turned off his mobile so as to not receive a call from Fiorentino Perez. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the Catalaria this summer. <laughs> yep. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Do you have uh, at Milan Zach from uh, June fourth? Uh, Anthony nominated him. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, I do not. Okay. Go with it. Just go with it. Okay. Uh, let's see. It's uh, it's okay. So Ibrahimovic retired. Benzema to Saudi. Messi to MLS or Saudi. Ronaldo to Saudi. Ozil retired. Pika retired. Busquets MLS. Bale retired. Rooney retired. Ribery retired. Tevez retired. Suarez in Brazil, Iguain retired, Sergio Ramos <laughs> times coming up, Thiago Silva times coming up, Teenage Phenom Neymar is 31. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. That is a good one. That is a good one. <laughs> yeah. uh, this one was a joke uh, from Loki Laufesen. He changes everything to Europa League and then uh, Europa Conference League, excuse me. He said, hey, Juventus, welcome to the UEFA Conference League. Uh, nice. Obviously changed back to the thing, but uh, yeah. You're on top. You're on the top. Uh, that's why I'm everywhere. You're not on latest. I, no, I, I, it, none of mine are in order. Doesn't matter. None of mine it, are in order. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, it is very weird. Okay. It is. Okay. Well, we'll let's see if we can scroll up. What's the next one you got up there? 
uh, from Bob Lex. Uh, it's uh, Milan Banter era. Okay. Twice. I'll let you take over the rest of these. We'll just go over your screen. All right. I had to do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that comes from Jafar Support BDS. uh, uh, The funny one there. Uh, Let me go. Let me start from the bottom here. Well, let's see what I got here. Uh, Let's see. Let have we done this one yet? Uh, Yeah, we did that. Did that. We just did that one. All right. So this one uh, comes from Troll Football. So last week Sweden makes sex an official sport. Sunday, Zlatan retired from football. <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> that comes from Troll Football. Very nice. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Uh, also from Troll Football, man. They were on it. Messi at PSG. Messi, my job here is done. Fans, uh, but you didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, here's nice. my nomination. I think uh, AC Milan with their uh, lackluster um, sent good- goodbye away for Paulo Maldini. Uh, that was a... Uh, jive at them um move along milan zone it says uh milan uh, gets an offer from chelsea for 60 million euros uh this is before the maldini news broke now it might be a reality but uh no. yeah chelsea offered only 60 million for Magnon, which probably should be easily triple digits i think yeah agreed um martina puccio uh <laughs> it's a scene from moneyball he goes hey jerry i think we won the champions league with junior messias there's something there that other teams just don't see <laughs> uh, seeing a lot of money ball pictures and memes coming now with me yep, for good reason for good reason uh this one uh brosaholic and it's uh milan and uh juve burning their house is burning and inter just swinging away having fun. <laughs> don't worry be happy <laughs> uh that might be it for me unless you had some other ones uh that's all i saw let me see here um if i can find any other ones it's all old ones there yeah 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 that's i think it's gonna go to troll football um which one <laughs> the uh this lot with this lot on retirement oh yeah that was that, that one right there that's pretty good so that's going to be our last one of the season. Okay. I like it. I like it. This is our uh, makeshift edition of uh, Who Uncast Twitter. We're trying to, my Twitter decided to say, you know what? I'm going to take a break. Season's over. I'm done. And so, uh, yeah, none of mine in order. No matter what I did, I tried everything. I literally I really did. So that's all right. All right. I am okay. entering that right now. Anything else you want to say to the people? I said, I'm going to say, yo, Ali Oxen free. Uh, no, I said, uh, no, thanks for everyone who uh, joined us this season uh, uh, for all the podcasts, uh, all the reviews. And uh, yeah, it's just been a hell of a long season, a great season, a wonderful season. I'm glad to see Napoli won uh, the first time in 33 years. Uh, seeing the top eight really strong this year. Really, the you know, even the mid- middle teams were pretty strong as well. Um, four games left to go. Excited, right? Obviously, the Champions League Conference League we just talked about, but. Don't forget the relegation playoff game between Spezia and Verona. Winner takes all. That's a great way to end. I think all, I think every season should be like that if there's a tie. I love the, the rule change by Serie A there. And then also, Serie B playoff to get to Serie A, you have Cagliari versus Bari. Um, I personally would, I, I know George is probably in here and he probably doesn't want to say, want to hear me say this, but I would love to see Bari come back to Serie A after such a long time away. Um, Cagliari obviously are a team that we want to see back, but uh, it's going to be a hell of a game. Two games. It's a two game finale there. Um, so yeah, tune in for those. I think those games are June 8th and 11th. I think I could be wrong. 
but uh, yeah, a lot of games still left to go to decide what happens here. And uh, it's been a hell of a season. And so again, yeah, thank you everyone for support. Yeah, I I, I want to echo that. Everybody here in the chat and, and a lot of them are the regulars. Thank you guys so much uh, for all of your comments all season long, your questions and uh, you know, having us uh, be part of your podcast loop uh you know week in and week out and, and and year in and year out for that matter man we've done this now for seven years and uh it's it, it we, we always try to make it better and uh to have the listenership that we have to have the viewership that we have now here on the channel it's it's very much appreciated uh we're looking forward to season eight we're somewhere in there richard we're gonna have our 300th city i sit down that's yeah. just mind-boggling uh uh to say the least so I uh, just want to thank everybody in the chat. Again, all of our listeners, um, you know, all of our followers on the in the social media spaces too. Thank you guys so much. Your support means everything to us. Um, you know, for, I guess as long as you all keep listening, we're going to keep doing this. So um, yeah, we don't ever stop talking. So at least somebody's listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, we want to talk. We want to talk a little calcio, and uh, I, I know my wife doesn't want to talk about it. So I got to have somebody to talk to about it. So, um, but. But anyway, uh, so that is going to put a bow on this season of City I Sit Down. The other thing I should probably uh, – will we be doing Mercato editions? No, we take the summer off. Um, yeah. we maybe, have some, wives maybe some small families. videos or something. Yeah, maybe some yeah. small videos, but not, no podcasts or anything really. Yeah, we have wives and, and we have families, and, and we try to dedicate our time to them. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I, I will I shout out to my wife for – uh, you know, permitting me to be able to do this every Tuesday night and yeah. and, and sit down and uh, speak to all of you. So our MVPs, right? Our MVPs. Um, reluctantly, I might add, but uh, but <laughs> no, I'm appreciative to it. So uh, those are that those should really be our uh, Serie A MVPs. <laughs> so, um, but um, but anyway, so um, and uh, you know, thanks to all the guests that we've had throughout the course of the season, some that had to come in on emergency, some that we, we had scheduled. So um, we had some great input from them throughout the season. Uh, Matt Santangelo, Martino Puccio, um, gosh, so many. Uh, so Alexa, uh, who else did you have throughout? Uh, Chiesa uh, di Totti. Um, yeah. Um, oh my God. I'm dropping, dropping blanks. Alberto uh, from the Alberto uh, from all, all, cast. all the, from the AJC. The culture guys at, at different point, different points as well. Yep. Alex Dono, Jerry Mancini. Yeah. Uh, and if we if we're leaving, yeah, please forgive us. Um, you know, we're but old, we we're, we're older, forgetting. Yep, and we're <laughs> excited to have Rafa Rafa Respo. Yeah. Congratulations uh, to him. Yep. Can't forget about that. Yeah, definitely. Congratulations to him. So. Um, you know, so uh, Joe Fischetti, who we've had on in the past as well. Uh, thank you guys uh, all. And then, you know, again, to our loyal listeners, thank you for uh, your continued support uh, as well. Uh, and if you want to uh, check out City I Sit Down through the podcast uh, stream, if you're just watching us here on YouTube, we do have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. Just City I Sit Down. At City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, check us out there. Um, uh, you know, Refer us to uh, friends of the Calcio uh, world that uh, are looking for maybe something new to listen to. Uh, we, we would appreciate it. If you are watching us here on the YouTube channel for the first time, uh, if you like this video, please Please drop a like. That helps us out. Subscribe to the channel as well. 
uh, and then hit that notification bell so that you are given the heads up when we are back on the air. Um, uh, grazie to you too, Anthony. Uh, and um, want you all to have a great summer. Uh, let's pull for our uh, Italian under 20s too on Thursday, actually against South Korea. Uh, and uh, with the uh, with a win there, they'll be in the final against either Uruguay or Israel at the U20 World Cup. That would be pretty nice to see. Yeah. Pretty encouraging sign uh, to see our, our younger Italian teams doing well. So, um, Richard, I guess that's it. That's it. Season seven, all done in the books. We'll see you all in a couple of months here for uh, the kickoff for preview della Madonina for season eight. And until then, he's Richard. I'm Frank, and uh, keep telling your paisans about us. Ciao.